0: That's
1: it. That's what. What's
2: the idea? Well,
1: what's the big idea? What's the big idea? What's the big idea, Egghead?
0: Ah, what's the big idea? What's the
2: idea? Welcome back to What's the Big Idea. Today's episode is a juicy one, and it's all about porn. Uh But not like about porn, but about what porn. Is actually and how porn impacts us, and the shame that's around it, and why we don't talk about it, and why we don't talk about sex, and so many other things. But before I introduce our incredible guest, a quick favor if you've been enjoying What's the Big Idea, go on over to our episode page, scroll to the bottom, drop us some stars, leave us a review, let us know what you've been enjoying about the show, and now let's get to it. So Cindy Gallup is on the show today, and Cindy is an incredible woman. Uh, She's oftentimes known as the Michael Bay of technology because she loves blowing shit up. Um, And she really burst onto the scene in 2009. She gave a viral TED Talk called Make Love, Not Porn. And it was one of the most viral in TED history. And it was all about how the hardcore, misogynistic, male-dominated pornography that was so pervasive in society uh, was totally fucking up a young generation of men and really confusing their understanding of what was sex what is porn and being able to navigate the difference and so uh, this talk went viral and it had so much legs that she actually decided to turn that talk into the internet's first user-generated real sex site so these were real couples who were encouraged to take videos of themselves having sex. And this is not your traditional, uh, patriarchal male dominated sex. These are real couples, uh, different sexualities, different genders, different body types, uh, different sex acts, you name it. Um, to really show people what real sex looks like. And one of my favorite things that Cindy said to me early in the podcast is how you know, so often people will use the term porn to categorize an entire industry. And she would say, it's like saying that books are bad because David Duke of the KKK has written a book. And then there's also ta Nessie Coates, who's written a book. So it's like, there's such a wide variety of what's out there. And we just relegate all of pornography into this dungeon of taboo and bad. And so you know, they've gone on to curate thousands and thousands of videos. It's really, really beautiful. And the reason that she does this is because she wants to normalize the conversation about sex, is that she wants to make it okay for people to have conversations about their desires, about what they want. Um, And when we don't talk about those things, nobody wins. It's just, again, it leads to resentment, shame, all of these things that end up bubbling up in really undesired unintentional ways and you know this conversation triggered something so beautiful between my partner and I just liberated a conversation about pornography that was always such a contentious subject in our relationship and so whether you are struggling to navigate your own relationship with pornography just fascinated by human sexuality and how to help society evolve or you're trying to have this conversation with uh, you know a partner This is a a brilliant, uh, beautiful conversation, wide-ranging, incorporates some of the science around uh, pornography, what it actually does to the mind, how it inhibits our ability to be present to grow sexually um, we talk about the industry and you know some of the pitfalls of the traditional porn industry we talk about how to navigate this conversation practically and productively so we cover a lot of ground but it is so illuminating and fun and i hope you enjoy it as much as i did without further ado here is cindy Gallup. All right, we are live with Cindy Gallup in her incredible apartment, which is called
1: The Sky Apartment.
2: The Sky Apartment. So we are looking out, we can see the Freedom Tower, we can see all the way to Central Park, and she has all of these beautiful items and art pieces from around the world. So, when did this all get started and how did it come together?
1: Oh, well, actually, you know, what you're looking at, um, Andrew, is the result of a lifetime spent haunting flea markets, junk shops, antique <laughs> stores. But my parents were, were complete, like, you know, junk store um, uh, addicts, and I, I inherited that gene. And so I've been collecting all my life, and every object here has a story. This is literally my entire life around me.
2: And I mean, just to paint a clearer picture of you, I'm looking at... Like a machine gun with what brand? What uh, insignia uh, right. is
1: so, uh, so I have a number of art pieces by my friend Peter Gronquist. Uh. And one of the things he does is create ironic depictions of designer objects. So yeah. that is a Chanel AK-47.
2: Which is next to a massive gold-framed picture of Pope, is that John Paul? Yep. John Paul the yep. Second?
1: yep, and yeah. um, and and so um, that is called Gerbil Pope, and that is by another of my favorite artists, Paul Richard. <laughs> I own a lot of his work, and and yeah, that 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 is an amazing portrait of the Pope holding
2: a gerbil. Yeah, well, <laughs> you guys, you know, one of the things that I am so excited to have this conversation with Cindy. I've been tracking her work for many years, and so I really do just want to get right into it, so we can maximize as much of our time Great. together here today. And so one of my favorite things to ask people is when someone asks you the question what do you do how do you currently answer that
1: so i currently answer that i'm the founder and ceo of make love not porn we are pro-sex pro-porn pro knowing the difference we're the world's first and only social sex video sharing platform um, we are socializing sex, making it easier to talk about, um, in order to promote consent, communication, good sexual values, and good sexual behavior. We call ourselves the social sex revolution. Mm. The revolutionary part is not the sex, it's the social.
2: Hmm. And so you know, one of the things that I'd really love to explore here is, in one of my previous podcasts, we talked about the word sex. and it's interesting if like we all kind of have this subconscious assumption that we know what sex is. Is it intercourse? Is it a blow job? Is it going down on somebody? Is it like making out and dry humping? And so one thing that I'd love to hear from you as someone who studied the space for so many years is what is porn?
1: So um, uh, that's very easy to answer, Andrew, because I've spent the past 10 years working on Make Love, Not Porn, defining why what we do is not porn. Hmm. And so porn is um, essentially produced performative entertainment that is masturbation material. Hmm. You know, its purpose is to enable you to get yourself off to it. that's porn and um, and and by the way so you know the difference between um porn and what we do at make love not porn which is real world sex is if porn is the hollywood movie then make love not porn is the documentary yeah you know um if porn is produced performative entertainment we are the window onto the real world and the amazing funny ridiculous comical awkward sex that we all have in our real world lives every day
2: and when did you first realize that? And this really kind of like was thrust into the mainstream through your TED talk in 2009. But when did you first realize that this was an area that you really needed to dig in? Mm.
1: So um, um, that came about um, a couple of years earlier um, because I date younger men, um, they tend to be men in their
0: 20s
1: (laughs) and it would have been about 11 or 12 years ago that I began realizing through dating younger men that I was encountering an issue that honestly would never have occurred to me if I had not encountered it so very directly, intimately and personally. I realized that I was experiencing what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence, Andrew, because most people think it's only one thing. I realized I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. Mm. It's when those two things converge that porn becomes sex education by default Mm. in not a good way. So I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior's coming from. I thought, gosh if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that then because 11, 12 years ago, nobody was talking about it, nobody was writing about it. This was me in complete isolation as a naturally action-oriented person going, right, I'm gonna do something about this. And so that was when I decided to put up on No Money this tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com. That in its original iteration was just words. It was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world, Here's what really happens in the real world. And then I had the opportunity to launch it at TED and um, became the only TED speaker to say the words, Come on my face on the TED stage, (laughs) six times succession. The talk went viral and it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Mm. And that's when I realized I'd uncovered this huge global social issue.
2: Yeah. And you know, one thing that's so interesting so that was 2009 to today. Mm. And so, what I'm curious about is how, if you can paint a picture of the landscape of, because again, it's 2009, so you have things like Pornhub and RedTube and like all of these porn sites that are like available then, but now I would imagine that kind of like the age that people are accessing these types of sites and this type of uh, kind of behavior is happening. Are there, like, statistics that help us understand, like, how porn usage has grown and is impacting? I think maybe it makes sense to talk about Americans in this conversation just because that's, mm. like, what we're familiar with. Most of our audience is here. So can you paint a picture mm. of how porn is impacting us, who's mm. watching it, how much we're watching it? Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: so here's the interesting thing, Andrew, okay? Because um, porn and sex tech, which is my own category… Yeah. Operates in the most research-free, statistics-free oh. data area of them all, and and, and that is because and, and and I face this every day. I mean, I fight a huge battle to build Make Love Not Porn every day, mm. essentially because every piece of business infrastructure, other tech startups just take for granted. We can't. The small print always says no adult content, yeah. and that's all pervasive across every area of the business. For the same reason, you know, because of all the battles we fight every day, nobody is out there funding the COM score of sex and porn, okay? And 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 so um, there are no reliable, um, you know, really broad statistics, um, not least also because, you know, in terms of what research is out there, it's very subject to confirmation bias. You know, people bring uh, sex more than any other area proves the truth that's saying we do not see things as they are, we see things as we are, hmm. you know? And also because this is the area of research and data where there is the widest possible gap between what people say and what people actually do. Mm. And so I am very cynical about any stats that get quoted about about porn usage. And and I'll give you an example of what I mean when I say this is the most statistics-free area. Every year, Mary Meeker releases her eagerly awaited annual Internet Trends report, historically for Kleiner Perkins, now for her own fund. Every year, you know, that is 200 slides of every single trend on the internet. Every year without fail, Mary Mika, Mary Mika omits any mention of the single biggest use of the internet, porn, mm. and any mention of the biggest trend that that is driving, which is the impact on real-world sex. That gives you some idea of how fucked up people are about this whole area and why we don't have remotely enough research and data. You know, what I can tell you based on you know, um, um, some studies out there is... The average age day which a child is first exposed to porn online is eight years old. Oof. Bitdefender did a study six years ago now that indicated then that age had dropped to six. And this is not because eight year olds and six year olds go looking for porn, they don't. It's a function of what is inevitable in the digital world we live in, which is they stumble across it. Mm. You know, it's what somebody shows your kid on a cell phone in the playground, you know, what happens when they go around a neighbor's house. Or they just Google something cute and innocent, and lo and behold, something pops up they never expected. And so, you know, um, what I can say qualitatively, if not quantitatively, is that, you know, everybody is is watching porn on the internet, and that is starting extremely early um, in ways that you would not want it to start. Um, And by the way, um, I will just say this for those of your audience who may be parents, okay, because mm. parents and teachers write to us that Make Love Not Porn all the time. And so uh, I give parents two key pieces of advice. The first thing is, you cannot begin talking to your child about sex today too early. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean literally talk about sex. What I mean is, the very first time they ever ask where babies come from, touch their genitals, the most important thing isn't even what you say as much as how you say it. Yeah. Never ever get visibly flustered. Mm. Okay, never get embarrassed, you know, never get angry, never shut them up, you know, never slap them down. Instead, answer calmly, honestly, and truthfully, and thereby set up a communications channel that will be there for them for the rest of their lives that you will both want there to be. And then the second thing I say to parents is today, when you talk to your child about sex, you must also talk to your child about porn. And it's a lot easier to do this than most parents think. Because all you have to do is some version of what I'm about to tell you, and you dial it up or down depending on the age of the child. So you, you say to the child, so darling, we've just talked about sex. And you know how together we watch movies and videos and cartoons where things happen that aren't real? Well, there are also movies and videos about sex, and they're not real either. And because of that, they can be quite confusing, and so we'd rather you did not watch them till you're older, but... If you ever come across anything like that, Mm. or somebody shows you something like that, come and talk to us, we can explain it. That's all you have to say, because you have then done two very important things. The first is that you have set up in their minds for when they encounter porn, it's not real. And the second thing is that you have encouraged them to come and talk to you about it. And trust me, in terms of what they are likely to stumble across, you will want them to come and talk to you about it.
2: And so here is the paradox of this situation that I find, both with parenting, and also in relationships, is the importance of opening up a container where this conversation is safe, where someone can talk about these things, as opposed to hiding and being shamed into that. But also, I would say that for many of the parents or partners, what they are worried about, and what I oftentimes hear, is that they feel by opening up that conversation that they are normalizing the behavior of watching porn, which say, a partner or a parent may not want their child to watch porn and so by saying come and talk to me This is okay being understanding that they're normalizing the behavior So what do you say to the people who have that stance that by? Letting your child come and talk to you about porn without reprimanding them that they're normalizing the behavior
1: Oh my god. So first of all, Adrian, let me just say we should absolutely Bloody be normalizing watching porn. Okay, mm. and and the reason I say that is um so I get interviewed about porn a lot, as you can imagine, <laughs> you know, and and, you, you know, um, t- I remember a journalist um, interviewing me and saying to me very earnestly that this is a man. He said um, he began his interview by saying, you know, so, Cindy, why do you think we like to watch people having sex? And I just burst into laughter. I rolled around on the floor. I went, oh, my God. Can you hear yourself? Of course we like to watch people having sex. We are all sexual beings. It's completely natural to want to watch people having sex and to get turned on by it. Mm. So it is utterly natural and normal um, to watch porn. Okay, there's nothing wrong with watching porn at all. Now, um, I'm gonna qualify that, yeah. uh, and by the way, Andrew, you know, I've spent the past 10 years trying to get people to understand the tremendous nuance in everything that you and I are talking about now. Yeah. So, for example, I get very frustrated about the fact that people keep using the word porn like it's all one big homogenous mass. Sure. That's like using the word literature as if it's all the same thing. Yeah. The landscape of huh. porn is like the landscape of literature. It's as rich and infinitely varied as full of genres and subgenres. Um, and And so, you know, for example, when the media shrieks and squawks about porn, okay, oh my God, porn, you know, they only ever shriek and squawk about one genre of porn. Which is the one most immediately apparent on the tube sites, which is that genre of straight porn where men are dominating women mm. and forcing women to submit to them. Okay. Funnily enough, you never ever see the media shrieking and squawking about the colossal genre of porn that is for men who adore being dominated by and submitting to their partners. Mm. Okay. And the reason we never hear about that in the media is because that genre of porn does not accord with our societal construct of masculinity. Mm. And that's a huge shame because out there in the world are millions of men who would adore to be dominated by and submit to a woman in bed. Out there are millions of women who would love to dominate a man and have him submit to them in bed. And many of those men and women will never, ever find that out or do it and enjoy doing it because society said, oh! <gasps> That is not what we do because of traditional generals,
0: yeah.
1: and, um, and so, um, you know, the, 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 th- the, th- the thing about porn, too, is we all watch porn, we don't talk about it. Okay, porn, therefore, exists in a parallel universe, in mm. a shadowy other world. Porn, therefore, lacks a number of the tools that we use in other parts of our lives to improve them. So, for example, porn lacks curation and navigation. Or rather, it lacks socially acceptable curation and navigation. Because there are sites that curate porn, but the porn sites. Yeah. There is no yelp of porn. Hmm. And there's no yelp of porn because right now, it's really okay to come into the office on a Monday morning, stand by the water cooler and go, I'm really bored of the restaurants I've been eating at. Who knows a new restaurant? It is not okay to come in, stand by the water cooler and go, I'm really bored of the porn I've been watching. Who knows some new porn? And that's a problem because the landscape of porn needs curation and navigation, especially for young people, um, I mean, especially for everybody, actually. Uh, by the way, the Yelp of porn is a billion-dollar business idea. Mm. I'd be doing it if I weren't doing my own billion-dollar business idea. <laughs> but, um, you know, within what we call porn are many, many, many types of porn um, that many, many people would be blissfully, happily watching and have no idea even exist. And, uh, for example, um, also, I have a real issue with the, with, with the terms Feminist porn and porn for women. And by the way, I have many female pornographer friends who describe themselves yeah. as feminist pornographers or, or say I make porn for women. The reason I object to those terms is because the moment you class porn as feminist or for women, men think it's not for them. Mm. That porn gets marginalized and men have no idea how hot, arousing, innovative and creative they would find feminist porn, and porn made for women. And so, you know, I want to see all of this opened up um, for many reasons, which I'm sure will come on to in, in this conversation. But, you know, to loop this right back to your original question, um, we should absolutely be normalising watching porn. And we should be normalising it because I can tell you, again, from 10 years of working on Porn, 10 years' worth of emails where people pour their hearts out to me, conversations where they do the same, comments on our site, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Half the problem when it comes to porn is the shame, the guilt, and the embarrassment people feel about watching it. Eradicate that, and you eradicate so much that is wrong with this whole area, including the whole concept of porn addiction.
2: There's a a definition that I have been taught about the difference between shame and guilt, which I think is really important for this conversation. Um, And then I also want to talk about something that Brene Brown um, talks about in a beautiful article that she wrote about about shame. Um, the way that I understand shame and guilt, let me know if it is, uh, occurs for you the same way, is that guilt is when you have a personal recognition that you have done something wrong, that you have done something that is out of alignment with your values and who you know yourself to be. Whereas shame can occur to basically when you feel bad about something that you've done, but it also has a uh, precedent that is based in how you are being perceived by the external world by someone else seeing you a certain way so whether that is someone else seeing you as a bad person someone else seeing you as immature and the perception of you is out of alignment with who you know yourself to be so guilt is about your actions being out of alignment with your values who you are shame is when people's perception of you is out of alignment with your values And Which can be really challenging when a lot of people who are watching porn are chastised as bad people, as heathens, as immature, where those feelings may be real and true for the other person. But one of the things that I've also kind of learned is the idea that shame is never an effective motivator of behavior change, is that if you are shaming someone, if you're telling them that they are a bad person, that they're immature, that they are these things, that where shame may achieve these kind of momentary transformations, it's not a sustainable source. Is that if you're just shaming someone into what it is that you want them to do, it's not going to be sustainable, and they will revert back to the behaviors of basically what you are shaming them for saying that you are a bad person you are these things and so I'm curious like when you talk about how to eradicate shame how do you have that conversation how do you even open that up
1: right so, so what I would say Andrew is that in in the specific context that you and I are discussing which is sex and porn shame and guilt um, around this whole area are entirely societally induced mm. okay and and that is Especially why, you know, um, part of Make Love Not Porn's mission is to take the shame, the guilt, and the embarrassment out of sex. So, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned that, you know, when I launched Make Love Not Porn.com in its original iteration at TED, the response was extraordinary. Hmm. And I think the response was extraordinary because Make Love Not Porn.com in that tiny, clunky, you know, copy only <laughs> porn world versus real world yeah. iteration was a manifestation of me. And what I mean by that is. It was truthful, straightforward, simple, honest, down to earth, utterly non-judgmental, and it had a sense of humor. We never get to have conversations about sex within those parameters. The moment we do, the floodgates open. Hmm. And you know, I, I went on to um, turn Make Love Not Porn into the world's first user-generated, human-curated social sex video-sharing platform. And, and I will come back to why I did that. But I can tell you that... Can you paint a picture hmm.
2: of what that looks like? So when we talk Uh, about that, it uh, means so
1: And Actually, yes, I'll I'll, I'll go into exactly what I did. So, um, when I got this extraordinary response back in 2009, I felt a personal responsibility to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that would make it much more far-reaching, helpful, and effective. And I also saw an opportunity to do what I believe in very strongly, which is that the future of business is doing good and making money simultaneously. I saw the opportunity for a big business solution to this huge untapped global need. And I used the word big advisedly because even then in 2009 at concept stage, I knew if I wanted to counter the global impact of porn as default sex ed, I would have to come up with something that at least had the potential one day to be just as mass, just as mainstream, and just as all pervasive in our society as porn currently is. So I was thinking big right from the get go. You know. So what I decided to do was, um, I always emphasize that Make Love Not Porn is not anti-porn because the issue isn't porn. Mm. The issue is that we don't talk about sex in the real world. Mm. If we did, amongst a whole host of other benefits, people would bring a real-world mindset to the viewing of what is simply manufactured entertainment. That's why our tagline is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference – And that's why our mission is one very simple thing, which is to help make it easier for everybody in the world to talk openly and honestly about sex. And to do that in two areas. A, in the public domain. By that I mean parents to kids, teachers to schools, everyone to everyone. But B, even more importantly, to talk about sex openly and honestly, privately, in your intimate relationships. And the reason that's so crucial is, because we don't talk about sex, it's an area of rampant insecurity for every one of us. We all get vulnerable when we get naked sexual ego is very fragile People therefore find it bizarrely difficult to talk about sex with the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it Mm. Because in that situation you're terrified that if you say anything at all about what is happening If you comment on the action anyway at all, you will potentially hurt the other person's feelings You'll put them off you you will derail the encounter You'll potentially derail the entire relationship, but at the same time, you want to please your partner. You want to make them happy. Everybody wants to be good in bed, no one knows exactly what that means, and so you will seize your cues on how to do that from anywhere you can. If the only cues you've ever seen are in porn, because your parents didn't talk to you about sex, because your school didn't teach you, because your friends aren't honest, those are the cues you're going to take to not very good effect. So, given this mission of talk about it, I decided to take every dynamic in social media Hmm. and apply them to this one area no other social network platform will go in order to socialize sex and to make real world sex and talking about it socially acceptable and therefore ultimately just as socially shareable as anything else we share on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So six and a half years ago, my tiny team and I launched the first stage of this vision, makelovenotporn.tv. Which is an entirely user generated, crowdsourced video sharing platform that celebrates real world sex. So, anyone from anywhere in the world can submit to us videos of themselves having real world sex, mm. but we're very clear what we mean by this. Yeah. We are not porn, we're not amateur, we are building a whole new category on the internet that never existed before social sex so our competition isn't porn it's facebook and youtube or rather it would be if facebook and youtube allowed you to socially sexually self-express which they don't so social sex videos on make love not porn are not about performing for the camera they're just about doing what you already do on every other platform capture what goes on in the real world as it happens spontaneously in all its Funny, messy, glorious, silly, beautiful, ridiculous, comical, awkward humanness. We curate to make sure of that. I designed Make Love Not Porn around human curation. Our curators watch every single video submitted from beginning to end. Mm. We do not publish it unless it's real. And we have a revenue-sharing business model. So our members pay to subscribe, rent, and stream social sex videos. And then half that income goes to our contributors, or as we call them, our Make Love Not Porn stars. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's amazing. So one of the things I'm curious about is like if I'm thinking about potentially doing mm. this with mm. my partner, mm. Mickey one of the first questions I would have is, how do I know that the video is potentially safe? Because what you yep. do is you create the context yep. where this video is celebrated yep. and people are coming in, yep. but how yep. do I know that the video is yep. not gonna end up yep. somewhere else for like say, you know, a, a public figure yep. who may wanna do that. Sure, it,
1: yeah. no, no, and Andrew, I'm so glad you asked that question because I'm gonna respond to it um, in in the broader context of yeah. the tech world as a whole, because I think it's very important, uh, again, especially that, that your audience hears this. The young white male founders of the giant tech platforms that dominate our lives today Mm. are not the primary targets, online and offline, of harassment, abuse, Mm. sexual assault, violence, rape. Therefore, they do not and they did not proactively design for it. Mm. Those of us who are most at risk every single day, women, people of color, LGBTQ, the disabled, we design safe spaces and safe experiences. I and my team, more female than male, we spent literally years concepting and designing Make Love Not Porn before we ever built it because we knew that if we were going to invite people to do something they'd never done before, socially share their real world sex, we had to think through every possible ramification of that to create a completely safe and trustworthy space. As a result, we operate unlike anybody else in the adult sphere and, quite frankly, unlike anybody else on the internet, period. Hmm. So, first of all, it is not possible to even complete our submissions process mm. unless your video is fully consensual, legal, everyone's over 18. We require full identifying details for every participant, two forms of visual ID, mm. including if you've chosen to have somebody else behind the camera. Even if, if we never see them, we have to know exactly who they are, mm. two forms of visual ID. It is literally not even possible to submit, let alone ever have published anything, not fully consensual legal. Then, when you've submitted your video, we do something nobody else does, human curation. As I said, our curators watch every single video from beginning to end. We do that just to make sure it's real, but that enables us to see everything that's going on. Um, then, when we accept your video, our curators will then engage with you personally. Mm. They'll communicate with you based on your preferred means of communication. You know, Skype, um, text, phone, you know, to, um, uh, email, whatever it is. Yeah. We begin building a relationship with you. We know every single one of our make love not porn stars um, uh, um, from the moment they submit a video. Um, and, and by the way, we, we do that because we can answer questions, handhold, reassure, etc. Now, if you're at all worried about your employer, your college, it's fine to be anonymous, okay? Yeah. You can wear masks, faces mm. in shadow, out of frame. About half our make love porn stars choose to do that. Yeah. The other half are happy showing their faces. Yeah. And by the way, we help. We have a how-to section on our blog <laughs> where we publish posts, like we have a post called how to shoot a banging real-world sex video without ever showing your face, yeah. okay? Um, your video is only viewable on our platform by our members, and only by those members who've paid to rent it. And the reason we operate a rent and stream model, not a download and own, is because our commitment to you as a Make Love Not Porn star is, the moment anything changes, your relationship, your life, your circumstances, even just your mind, you tell us, we take your videos down, they're gone forever, they're nowhere else on the internet. Sure. And by the way, you can literally, we, we might publish your videos one day, you can change your mind overnight, we'll take them down the next. Hmm. Okay. Um, your exposure is entirely up to you. You know, everything is entirely in your control. Nobody else does that, by the way. And we are also building our community offline as well as online. Um, lack of funding constrains our ability to do this very widely, but we will hold regular drink stews where we invite our Make Love Porn Stars to come and meet us and each other, which is fantastic community building. Yeah. And, and here's the really interesting thing about um, what we're doing. Our Make Love Not porn stars tell us that socially sharing their real world sex has been as transformative for them and their relationships as socially sharing everything else has been for the world at large. Mm. So we have many solo videos, okay? Um, I mean, we're all inclusive, LGBTQ, and we have many videos um, of men and women um, masturbating, okay? Now, the vast majority of our Make Love Not porn stars have never ever filmed themselves doing anything sexual before ever. They're doing it for us because they believe in our social mission. Mm. So we have men and women who have filmed themselves in this incredibly intimate act for the first time ever, and they have uploaded it to our platform to be watched by complete strangers. Our solo Make Love Not Porn stars tell us that doing that made them love themselves more. It actually enhanced their sexual sense of self, Mm. their sexual self-esteem. Couples tell us that doing this transformed their relationship. Because when you decide to film yourselves having sex, you have to talk about it and when you talk about doesn't matter how long we've been together the conversation goes places it's never ever gone before couples write to us and say we thought we were open doing this just took our relationship to a whole new level which is amazing
2: yeah and so so tell me that i'm actually working with a friend right now named Mm. lee Ware, who's about to do a tedx talk and the title of her talk is um how to ask for the sex you want when you're not sure what Mm. that is and so it's the idea of like we don't have this conversation mm. when we're with partners. Mm. You know, it may not be with a, a new partner or someone that we've been yep. with for a long time. Is that we don't know how to start that conversation while it's happening, and that what happens, especially for women, is that they don't say anything at all, and they end up having yep. sex that they don't like.
1: No, um, no, no, absolutely, Andrew. Uh, and in fact, um, so here's the overarching goal of make love, not porn. Okay, because when I say to people. Our mission is this very simple, single-minded thing to make it easier to talk about sex. Mm. Because we don't do that currently, people don't get how massively, profoundly, fundamentally beneficial the impact of that would be. So um, here's what I mean by that. I designed Make Love Not Porn around my own beliefs and philosophies, one of which is that everything in life starts with you and your values. So I regularly ask people this question. What are your sexual values? And nobody can ever answer me because we're not taught to think like that. Our parents bring us up to have good manners, a work ethic, sense of responsibility, accountability. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed, Mm. but they should because in bed, values like empathy, Mm. sensitivity, generosity, kindness, honesty, respect, are as important as those values are in every other area of our lives where we are actively taught to exercise them. And so in that context, Andrew, what we are doing could not be more topical in the era of Me Too. Because right now, quite rightly, everybody is talking about consent. Everybody is writing about consent. There are lots of thoughtful, nuanced, insightful think pieces out there about consent. Here's the problem. Nobody knows what consent actually looks like in bed. Mm. The only way you educate people as to what is Great consensual communicative sex, good sexual values and good sexual behavior is by watching people actually having that kind of sex. And Make Love Not Porn is the only place on the internet where you can do that. Every one of our videos is an object lesson in consent, communication, good sexual values and behavior. We are literally education through demonstration.
2: So, you know, one of the things that I'd love to talk about here is again, like what you just talked about with the mission that I really want to reemphasize is that this is all in effort of getting people to talk about yeah. sex. Yeah. Of like that that is really what's coming mm. through is like the foundational yeah. thing here. And so what I'm curious about is... So let's start in the context of, Mm. say, a couple who's getting ready to film themselves. What are the questions? What are the conversation Mm. starters? For people who are listening to this and they're like, I'm going to go back and with the next person that I hook up with or with my long-term partner, what are the best questions? Like, I love the idea Mm. of values, and I'll add Mm. a little Mm. bit on that. So we're getting ready to go on our next Junto retreat with our Mm. guys this weekend, and we always do the values work. And it's basically the idea that having this understanding of self that is foundational, spiritual, like, beyond kind of the identities mm. that society has kind of labeled us with that when we understand what those values are, we're much more capable of understanding when our actions are in alignment or out of mm. alignment mm. with them Absolutely. and being able yeah. to articulate. That. Yeah. And so it's so smart. Like even when you say that about my sexual values, my honest answer, I don't know what those are. Yeah, I exactly. can't say them right exactly, now. Accurate. I feel them. Yeah. They're there, but mm. I don't have those yeah. readily available. Mm. And because of that, I'm not able to evaluate mm. my actions in the bedroom mm. for being in or yeah. out of alignment with those. Yeah. So, what are so what are the conversation starters? What are the things that people sure. can say um, in this context to really sure. start the conversation? Um,
1: so, um, uh, so, first of all, um, that is exactly what make love not porn is a conversation starter, mm. because when it comes to sex, everyone needs outside prompts to help them have those conversations. So, you know, um, most of our Make Love Not Porn stars um, began as members, you know, and, and began watching our social sex videos. And, and, by the way, our members write to us every day telling us about how we've changed their lives. And so one couple wrote to us, um, uh, Kim and Pete, and, and they wrote a fantastic um, letter, which we, we, we posted on, on our blog. And, um, and what they said was that um, watching our videos normalized conversations about sex because they were able to talk about things coming out of the videos that they said it was just like discussing something we'd seen on tv or netflix Mm -hmm. you know because everything is presented as social sex everything is normalized and and that enables the conversations to feel a lot more normalized as well and then, um, y- y- you know, t- um, th- uh, wh- what we say to people who are interested in becoming make love not porn stars, but a bit nervous, a bit twitchy, is yeah. what we go, listen, what we recommend is just start videoing yourselves. Okay. Um, no commitment you know no obligation at all to then share it on make love not porn do it for yourselves because you, you know and all i'm talking about here andrew are all the same dynamics playing out in the same way that when you video yourself to share anything else on social media that highlights different things about how you feel about something you know the responses to your video you know same deal deal with us and, and so and, and so for example you know one couple um they were married. Um, and they video themselves. And, and, and you know, th- um, the wife said to me, she said, We're not yet ready to, to upload it. But, but I have to tell you, she said, we, we, did, we did not expect that watching ourselves would be such a turn on. Hmm. She said, My God, it was hot as hell yeah. to actually watch ourselves on video. And that brought a whole new dimension to our lovemaking. You, you know, so that was interesting. Um, and, then, and, and then also, as I said, just the sheer fact that you're going to do this. Um, prompts conversations that you may never have had before, you know, and, and so, so we encourage um, couples to just, you know, to um, j- um, just talk all around. You know, if there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable, why? Why is that? You know, and incidentally, a measure of how safe we've made make love not porn is that we have found with straight couples who submit videos, it is usually the woman who has decided she wants to do this Mm. and persuaded the man to, not the other way around, Mm. you know. And so uh, so we are that external prompt everybody needs to have conversations that otherwise you can go for a very long time never having. In fact, many people go all their lives never having, which is utterly tragic.
2: Yeah. Is there any, what are your thoughts about kind of like sex coaches and those types of people Mm. to facilitate these types of conversations Mm. and explorations Mm. when it's, because one of the things that I've seen is that, like, oftentimes it can be so triggering and people are kind of, like, in patterns that have been ingrained for mm. their entire lives. What are your thoughts about mm. working with people to kind mm. of foster these types of dialogues and yep. conversations? Um, no,
1: I, I, think that, I think that's terrific because, again, that's an external prompt. Yeah. You know, we all need help. Um, and, in fact, um, um, we've been amazed to discover that many sex therapists actually recommend us hmm. to couples. You know, so one couple wrote to us, um, married, married. Um, uh, the man had prostate cancer had surgery and and subsequently erectile dysfunction and and they had had a very healthy sex life and this was very distressing for both of them their therapist their sex therapist recommended make love not porn and one of the things we do, obviously, is celebrate non-penetrative sex, because you do not have to have penetration to have a bloody amazing time. Yeah. You know, and they wrote to us, There was this really long email, again, it's on our blog, and they said our sex life is now even better mm. than it was before the operation. You know. And um, and in fact, I want to share with the audience um, something else we're doing to facilitate conversation, Andrew. So, um, because as I said, every single thing on Make Love Not Porn is geared to making it easier to talk about sex. Yeah. So... Because we don't talk about sex, we have no socially acceptable vocabulary with which to do so. The language of porn has rushed in to fill that gap. And this is not good for a number of reasons, not least of which is that, as you would expect in a male-dominated industry, the language of porn is predominantly male-generated. So the person who coined the term finger-blasting didn't have a vagina. (laughs) Because if you have a vagina and you hear the term finger-blasting, trust me, you want to cross your legs. The person who coined the term getting her ass railed never got his ass railed. Pounding, banging, slamming, wrecking, destroying. All terms created by people who did not possess the soft internal tissue to which those things are being done. Hmm. So, on Make Love Not Porn, we are building a new vocabulary for real-world sex. So we tag our videos completely differently to the usual porn tagging system. We tag our videos with terms like juicy, succulent. Mm. Our tag for oral is downtown. Our tag for anal is deliberately derived from the recipient's experience of anal. Mm. We tag our anal sex videos, ow, 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 hey now. (laughs) <laughs> and we do that, Andrew, because we want our members to take this language and use it beyond our platform in the real world. Sure. Because this is language you can use to talk about sex in public without yeah. feeling embarrassed about what's coming out of your mouth, without worry about being overheard in the bar or the coffee shop. And it's language you can use to talk about what you want to do in bed in a celebratory, positive and gender equal way. And we're also using this language to reshape the way people feel about various dimensions of sex. So I get I get caught up frequently by um, journalists who will say to me, Cindy, I'm writing an article about how porn addiction um, causes erectile dysfunction in young men. And I will go, no, it doesn't. And And I explain that, you know, porn, unfortunately, um, uh, teaches men that sex is entirely dick centric. That it's all about how big it is, how hard it, is, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and in the real world, men are frequently not erect or semi-erect, and this is completely natural and normal. Yeah. But when you only learn about sex from porn, you go, "Oh my God, I have erectile dysfunction." So we have a tag on "Make Love, Not Porn" for those of our real-world sex videos where the guy is either not erect or semi-erect. Hmm. That tag is derived from the world of ice cream. We tag those videos soft serve hmm. because soft serves are yummy and delicious yeah. and as natural a part of real world sex as anything else.
2: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I want to throw in here as well is what you're talking about is like creating this vernacular. Um, it's I feel like, you know, the we are starting to get new communication techniques around consent, which you said, which is so important, and like the baseline of like almost like asking for what you don't want and what you're talking about also is providing a new Mm. vocabulary for people to talk about what they do Mm. want of like, because there's, there's such a a platter of options that are available Mm. that people just don't even understand that are there. Right. And because they, and again, it's, you know, one of the things that my mom would always say to me growing up is like, when people don't know, they don't go. And so it's like, for, are there places where people can I know that there's there's some courses and different articles that I've read that really do talk about the idea of like desire mapping and different things like that, of saying it's like, here are all the options that are available. Here's what kinky looks like. Here's what it looks like to be more kind of like ambiguous and what these other things are. How do, how do people start to... Answer that question of what do I want.
1: Right. Um, so, so, this again is exactly why we exist, Andrew. Because, <laughs> because another uh, one of our many objectives is to de kinkify yeah. the kind of sex many more people would thoroughly enjoy mm. if society hadn't said to them, it's kinky. Okay. So, um, you know, the reason I designed Make Love Not Porn to be a video sharing platform is because the single biggest use case for YouTube, mm. way beyond any other, is how to videos. And it's way beyond the second biggest use case, which is entertainment. Far, far um, more than, than, than people want to be entertained, people go to YouTube to watch how-to videos on how to do anything and everything. Hmm. I want Make Love Not Porn to be the global go-to hub for how-to videos for anything to do with sex. Yeah. Okay? And so, you know, we reflect the entire spectrum of human sexuality. And incidentally, when it comes to sex, there is no such thing as normal. Okay. I readily have to say to people, every single thing you see in porn, somebody somewhere loves doing, in fact, millions of somebodies. okay. there is no such thing as normal. And actually, real world sex is more surprising, more innovative, more creative, and more hot and rousing than porn will ever be. And so, again, what our videos normalize is, I mean, and by the way, people sometimes get the wrong idea from our, our name, Okay, make love, not porn. They think, oh, it's all about lovemaking, and it's mm. all romantic. You know, Sure, we've got plenty of videos like that, but we have rough sex, we have BDSM, we have you know, all forms of kink um, as practiced in the real world. And by the way, what that means is that in our real world sex videos, you see the negotiation. Yeah. You know, you see the discussion before the role play begins, you see the aftermath, you see people coming out of it and, the, you, know, and you see the, the cuddling and the showering and, you know, the conversations subsequently. And so, you know, to, um, um, the, the great thing too about social sex and, and, and the fact that we're socialising normalising all of this is that um, it's, it's not like porn where, where you know you have to enter some very specific search terms to get to what you want to watch. And therefore, you have to know what you want to watch first. Yeah. Okay. Our, our videos enable you to just, you know, we're a window onto everybody's sex life in the real world. And by the way, the reason amateur is the biggest growth sector in porn has nothing to do with porn. It has everything to do with the fact that everybody wants to know what everyone else is really doing in bed. And nobody does. And now, for the first time, we're showing them. And so you are just watching. You know, you know, um, all of these real people. This is the sex they have in the real. It's not performed for your your benefit, and and that that enables you to be much more exploratory than you might be otherwise. Mm. And in fact, um, that just leads me on to another potential societal benefit of make love, not porn, if we can ever get to operate at scale. So, um, to, uh, so as I said, we we are all inclusive and. Before we launched as a platform six and a half years ago, we obviously had to seed the platform with content. So I and my curator Sarah spent an entire year asking everyone we knew and complete strangers, will you film yourselves having real world sex for us? You know, which is why, by the way, we discovered that 99.9% of the time the answer is yes, okay the desire to do this lies a lot closer to the surface than many more people than you would ever have thought so um t- during that pre-launch period um you know we met friends of friends of a friend um this young gay male couple living here in new york in a committed relationship madly in love with each other and they submitted an amazing video of 45 minutes of loving gay male sex yeah. okay it was adorable you know how much they loved each other just radiated through you know ages of up upfront kissing clothes came off really slowly loving gay male oral and anal sex it was it was fantastic then at the last minute they got cold feet they'd shown their faces one of them worked education you know they asked to pull the video and of course as i said earlier you know the moment you ask that psh, you know your video's gone you know but i wrote to them and i said you know of course we've taken down your video but i hope at some point in the future you will allow us to publish that video and here's why the nature of the make love not porn brand is such that people would watch that video who would never watch gay porn okay and if you needed it That video had the potential to completely change your worldview of what you think gay male sex is. Because if you are homophobic, okay, you think gay male sex is whips, chains, dungeons, Satan's pit of hell. When you watch two human beings loving each other the way you and your partner love each other, I believe that at scale that has the potential to completely change people's perception of and therefore attitudes towards other people whose sexuality is not the same as your own.
2: You know, I, I have a friend, I'm like literally almost getting like teary eyed when you talk about that because I have a friend named Carl Studna who's this incredible photographer and he did this photography series of people, um, It's called, I think it's called Loving. Mm. And it's this very intimate series of couples, gay, mm. straight, uh, you name mm. it, poly, um, in bed. And mm. actually just like, again, it's not pornographic, it's just beautiful Mm. portraits of people Mm. making love. Mm. And one of the times I was looking through the book, I got to this beautiful gay couple, and I think they're in like their 40s and 50s, and as I see them, you know, making love, and it's not graphic, so it's not Mm. like Mm. full on kind Mm. of like genitals, but Mm. you can tell that Mm. like, you know, one of the men is being penetrated Mm. and his mouth is open, and the other one is like Mm. caressing him from behind. Mm. And as I'm sitting there looking at this image, I started to cry because what I realized is like, this is the first time that I've ever seen an image portraying loving gay sex mm. that I had never mm. seen that before. And I and I try to consider myself, you know, a 33-year-old developed human being mm. who's open, but that I just started to think about, like, again, like how I had never seen an image like this. I had mm. never... I've never been able to witness mm. that and so it's just like how limited my perspective yep. of my gay friends, of gay people are and how unfair it is that those images aren't available yep. because we've seen that yep. our entire lives through the media, through mm. movies, through literature about heterosexual sex. We know that that's possible but those images are just, yep. you know, so rarely available.
1: No, um, no exactly. And and also, um, so what we enable at Make Love Not Porn is something else, Andrew, which which. Um, um, systemic homophobia actually um, generally prevents for for straight men, which is, um, so, uh, again, because we're normalizing all of this, you know, we hear from our straight male members who tell us they really enjoy watching our videos of men masturbating, okay, so so they make love and porn star videos, Hmm. okay, because one man said, said to me, oh, my God, I realize I could be having so much more fun masturbating. Because if you're a straight man, how often do you get to watch other men masturbating? You know, not, not that often, you know. And so, um, and in fact, um, another, another member wrote to us, and we, and we published um, his email on our blog with his permission. Um, he said, I'm a straight man. And I love to watch your videos of other men masturbating because um, it gives me ideas on technique and, you know, to, um, how I can enhance my own satisfaction. And it's really, really useful in that regard. I mean, obviously, I'm a straight woman. I love watching our, our solo male Make Love Not Porn Stars. It really turns me on. Mm. But, um, but, but for straight men, that is not something endorsed by society it is not possible to do anywhere else Mm. and so you know we are breaking down all sorts of ridiculousness that again because we do not talk about all of this because we do not invite the concept of nuance into sex and sexuality you are not unable to do anywhere else
2: yeah you know so one of the two of the issues that i really want to cover before we let you go today is to speak a little bit more about like some of the resistance that I hear to porn in general. And because you say pro-porn and pro-knowing the difference. Mm. And so one of the things that I oftentimes hear is that, so you, would you consider yourself part of the porn industry? No,
1: um, no, 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 absolutely not. And so let's,
2: can we talk about the industry a little bit? And some of the, some of the things that I would get feedback from of, Mm. you know, many of my feminist friends Mm. or even like my wife is the Mm. idea of that when you are, Consuming traditional porn, that you are supporting an industry where sexual abuse, misogyny is rampant, and so what? How would you respond? Uh, Right.
1: So so I'm really glad you asked that question because I I have I have plenty to say on this topic, Andrew, because I have inadvertently through working on Make Love Not Porn, and although we are not porn, we are sex tech, but I've ended up as a champion and advocate for the porn industry, and so I bring um, I bring I bring something very rare to to looking at the porn industry. Um, I bring a business approach, okay? And it's rare, not because I'm anything unique or special, I'm not. It's only rare because the people whose brilliant business brains populate the pages of the Harvard Business Review in the stages of TED have zero interest in applying any of that business brilliance to the adult industry. But they should because everything that worries people about porn is entirely driven by business issues mm. and therefore requires business solutions. And, and here's what I mean. So porn is like any other industry that I study as a business consultant, which is how I support myself. It has, as an industry, it's gotten so big, it's gotten conventional. Okay? There are norms and rules and conventions, which is why, by the way, so much of it is so repetitive and boring. Okay? It has fallen prey to the business syndrome that I call collaborative competition, which is when everybody in a sector competes with everyone else in the sector by doing exactly the same thing everyone else in the sector is doing, okay? And it is tanking. Its old world order business model has been destroyed by the advent of free content online, and it hasn't invented a new one. Now, every business dynamic I've just cited is also true of the music industry, of Hollywood, of television, of my own industry, advertising, of every industry you could name. It's just the way those dynamics manifest in porn is more controversial and distressing. So, the explosive growth in extreme violent porn is not driven by (gasps) evil, twisted, malignant, vicious forces that work within the industry. It is not driven by, oh my God, we've all become more depraved and corrupt as human beings. It's driven by very boringly, very prosaically, a bunch of guys, scared shitless because they're not making any money, doing what bunches of guys scared shitless not making money doing in any industry, which is play it safe oh, look, they're all doing that, let's do that too. Oh, that must be what the consumer wants. That must be what makes money, let's do that too. You know, as in washing powder, it's so in porn, and it becomes a race to the bottom. The analogy I draw is with reality television, because reality TV was pioneered 20 years ago by amazing shows like like MTV's The Osbournes, The Real World. Mm -hmm. Then everybody else jumped on the bandwagon, and it descended into the morass we have today of real house stars everywhere, you know, Jersey Shore, whatever. And so... Um, the, um, the, the way you really break that cycle is um, – you know, and, 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 uh, and I've been saying this uh, for years you – know, t- um, basically, um, what you need to do is you need to open up – You know, the answer to all of this is not to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress. The answer instead is to open up. Mm. Open up the dialogue around all of this in, in a way that Iron, Make Love, and Porn are trying to do open up to welcoming, supporting, and funding entrepreneurs like me who want to disrupt all of this for the better, and open up to allowing us to do business in the same way everybody else does. Because when you do that, you completely transform the landscape of adult i like to repurpose in this context Wayne LaPierre of the NRA's infamous gun control quote. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a business is a good guy with a better business. Mm. And that's what I'm doing. You know. Now, um, t- there is also something that I say, especially to women. Um, I did an interview last year with Glamour magazine where the journalist asked me, you know, how, how can we make the porn industry more feminist? And she says in this interview um, herself, when she wrote it up, she said, I did not expect to get the answers from Cindy Gallup that I did. Because there are four micro actions every single woman can take to completely transform the porn industry. Mm. So, micro action number one, and, and by the way, I want your male listeners to hear this because they should encourage their female partners Please. and friends to, to do this. So, micro action number one, I say to women, is talk publicly about the fact you enjoy watching porn. Because women don't, okay? Yes, there's a stigma in watching porn. It is even worse for women. And that's why people mistakenly and misguidedly think that women don't like to watch porn. Bollocks to that, okay? So I say to women, you need to say publicly that you you enjoy watching porn. And the reason you need to do that publicly is because it is only when it is publicly out there that women love watching porn that the industry sits up, starts taking notice and goes, wow, this is a really serious audience that we now need to take seriously and we need to cater to them. Okay, so you have to demonstrate there is a market for porn that women want to watch. Um, and by the way, again, I'm not talking white curtains fluttering in the breeze and all that bollocks, okay, sure. because, again, the landscape is as rich and varied, you know, but until we women say publicly, and I say publicly, I watch porn all the time, you know, yeah. until we say it publicly, no one takes us seriously as a market for the porn industry, okay? Micro-action number one. Micro-action number two, I say to women recommend the fucking shit out of the porn you watch to all your girlfriends. Mm. Now, make not porn is not porn, okay, but we end up a lot on, you know, um, recently Glamour did a list of the top 10, 15 porn sites women will enjoy. We were number one, by the way. Mm. You know, um, Cosmopolitan do a list of, every time any women's media runs those lists, we get a ton of traffic. Mm -hmm. Because as I said earlier, porn lacks socially acceptable curation and navigation. So I say to women, Recommend the porn you enjoy to all your girlfriends again publicly pass those recommendations on because women need help finding the kind of porn that, that because if you're a woman and, and you go to Google and you enter the word porn you know what turns up as the top 10 sites on page one of Google is going to you know seriously put you off basically um, so that's my crash number two My crash number three is. Share the porn you enjoy watching with your partner, and I'm addressing this specifically to straight women. You know, in relationships, mm-hmm. um, again for the reason I said earlier. You know, the moment men hear porn for women or feminist porn, they go, "Not for me." You know, um, your partner has no idea how hot and arousing he would find the porn that you enjoy watching. So share it with him. And the fourth micro action is create the porn you want to see in the world. Mm. Okay, in ten years of working make love not porn, Andrew, you would not believe the number of Completely separate context, business context. You know, I speak at conferences to support myself. You know, the number of men and women who've come up to me and said, you know, Cindy, I really wanted to make porn. You know, I really want to start a porn production company. And then there are reasons why they didn't. You know, one woman, you know, told me that at a, at a conference in Ireland. You know, Ireland's laws are, you know, you can imagine, particularly rigorous, Catholic country, you know, she she wanted to start a porn production company. There was no bloody way she could, you know, with, with all the legislation against it. You know. mm-hmm. um, a man at, at a conference said to me, that he wanted, well, he wanted to start a porn production company. And then he came up against all the barriers I do, you know, because I fight a goddamn battle every single day to build this business. And, and it was just, he, he couldn't even contemplate having to deal with that, you know. Um, m- m- most recently, you know, somebody interviewed me for a business publication and shared that he has an idea for a porn production company. I've told him he's got to do it and I will help him all I can. And so, you know, my reaction number four is, you know, absolutely, you know, if you have ideas for innovative creative porn, make them
2: yeah. and put them out in the world. And I mean, and back to, so, and on that issue of like kind of what I'm hearing in this is that the idea of, even if you have gripes with the industry itself, if you were to throw out statistics about sexual abuse, misogyny, like different things that exist there, that the idea of saying that like porn is bad doesn't actually do anything no. to end that cycle. Um, no
1: no, no, absolutely not um, and and you know I have many friends in the porn industry and yeah. by the way we have a very unique category on Make Love Not Porn which which I conceived of pre-launch I wanted it there from when we launched and my friends helped me. So Make Love Not Porn is the only place on the internet where porn stars share videos of the sex they have offset in the real world mm. because porn stars have real world sex too that is completely different from the sex they perform Interesting. professionally Yeah. and so my gay, straight, lesbian, trans porn star friends share on Make Love Not Porn videos of the sex they have in their real world relationships with their real world partners and they talk in those videos about how different this is from what they perform professionally. Again, education through demonstration. You know. And so, you know, to, um, th- I mean, a- again, you know, the answer to everything that worries people about porn is to open up. You know, um, so, so for example... You know, the day we have a porn industry that is 50-50 equally lead-driven in and influence from the top by j- women just as much as by men, that therefore then targets 50% of its output equally at women just as much as at men as opposed to currently mistakenly thinking men are the only audience and that, therefore, importantly, makes 50% of its money out of women just as much as out of men is the day we have a porn industry that looks completely different. Mm. And porn looks completely different. You know, healthier, more open, more innovative, more disruptive, more creative, way more lucrative, and the same is true of every other industry. Again, movies, television, advertising. Yeah. I have a project that I want to do one day. Um, I have to find um, a photographer and models, so I'd be able to pay them, which I'm not in a position to do that at the moment. But I want to take the homepage of Pornhub, YouPorn, Porn, Red Tube, you know, one of the major Tube sites, and I want to replicate it and recreate it, reshooting every single video still on it with the genders flipped. Hmm nothing would demonstrate more immediately the ludicrousness of the male lens in mainstream porn wow. okay and i already do a version of this i troll porn sites on twitter okay so <laughs> uh, and by the way andrew i assume with your audience it's okay to get graphic in this yeah episode. please right of course. So, so browsers will will tweet out you know a still or a video clip or whatever about a blow bang okay yeah. so i'll tweet back i'll go hey browsers i want the female version of that i want a lick bang I want to see a photo of a naked guy on his knees grinning with a bunch of women around him naked from the waist down shoving their pussies in his face. Okay? Or Brazzers will tweet us still, you know, and and some allusion to it. You know, and I will go, hey Brazzers, I want the female version of that. I want to see a giant pussy looming in the foreground and close up behind it, three men's faces grinning from ear to ear covered in pussy juice. Yeah. Nothing shows the ridiculousness of the dominance of the male lens in porn than doing that.
2: You know, and so I just I think again I, I really appreciate this idea of bringing nuance to it of if you disagree with it it's just there's the idea of just getting rid of it altogether is just oh do, um, no do, oh, no uh, and no
1: and by the way you can't and you never will yeah. I mean and and, and you know that, that's why honestly Andrew you know the answer is not to swear off porn you know the, um, the the answer is to I mean well well first of all obviously it's a come and watch make love not porn and and, and by the way, one of the reasons I say that is because our members write to us every day yeah. and the words they use to describe our videos are words you would never hear used about porn. Th- 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 they use descriptors like happy, joyous, celebratory, life-affirming and the one we hear all the time is guilt-free. Hmm. You know, Literally, a man wrote to us a few months back and he said, you know, I have to write and thank you for what is the first ever entirely guilt-free sexual experience I've had in my entire life. Yeah. He said, it's a real shame it was with myself <laughs> you know, because I, w- I would have liked a partner and, you know, whatever. But, you know, t- he – and by the way, he, he completely got um, what, you know, our venture is all about. He said you know, it, it wasn't just the freedom from guilt. You know, th- um, th- th- it's the very fact that somebody had this brilliant idea, executed it amazingly, um, which taps into all that is good in human nature – and takes us away from everything that is destructive. I mean, he totally got the bigger picture. Because, you know, here's my vision for, you know, what happens if I can ever get Make Love Not Porn funded and operating at scale. Parents will bring their children up openly to have good sexual values and good sexual behavior, the same way they currently bring them up to have good values and good behavior in every other area of life. We will therefore cease to bring up rapists. Because the only way that we end rape culture is by inculcating in society an openly talked about, discussed, promoted, operated, and very importantly, aspired to gold standard of what constitutes Mm. good sexual values and good sexual behavior. When we do that, we also end Me Too. We end sexual harassment, sexual abuse, sexual violence, all areas where the perpetrators currently rely on the fact that we do not talk about sex to ensure their victims will never speak up. Never go to authorities. Never tell anybody. Yeah. When, when, when we end that, we massively empower women and girls worldwide. When we do that, we create a far happier world for everybody, including men. And when we do that, we are one step closer to world peace. I talk about make love not porn as my attempt to bring about world peace, and I'm not joking.
2: Yeah. And you know, one of the things, uh, I'm a student of a, a communication modality called Gestalt, and the founder of Gestalt was this guy, Fritz Perls, and he would always say that what we don't express, we suppress. And so it's the idea mm. of when we don't create space for Especially, like I'll use it through the lens of, of men, when we don't give them a, a space to talk about the things that they are experiencing and feeling and feeling shame or guilt about, is that those things don't go away. They just Ooh. simmer under the surface. Ooh. And not only do those come out in undesired ways in our actions or language, but oftentimes they can then erupt. And that's how he talks about acts of violence, is that oftentimes it really is suppressed emotion yeah. and things that are there that end up in men harming women you know, just ruining their lives with drugs, Mm. whatever it may be. And so I I just think, again, I'm I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing here. And there's one, there's one more thing that I really want to talk about today. And that's the idea of porn addiction and the idea that, um, and there may be research Mm. about this that you're familiar with, but the idea that by, you know, young men, especially exposing themselves to porn, that they are kind of just inculcating themselves into this pattern of mindless, uh, sex and release that then makes it very difficult for them to connect with their partner, um, to be there. So it's like, what are your ideas about porn addiction? I've heard some people say mm. that porn addiction is not an actual right. thing. I've heard some people say that it that it is mm. and it's a real issue. Where do you stand on right,
1: it? Right, sure. Um, well, first of all, I'd say that, you know, I'm with the World Health Organization on this because the WHO this year refused to classify porn addiction as an actual addiction, okay? Um, and I don't believe it is. Now, at the same time, um, Bear in mind, I am my own research lab. Okay, So I'm very open about the fact that I date younger men casually, recreationally, I date a number of them simultaneously. I see for myself exactly how this plays out in the real world all the time. And so um, um, the, the, um, the, the impact of what people... Um, because, because people, including men who think they are porn addicts, um, use the term "porn addiction" to cover a multitude of issues. You mm. know, so for example, you know, I dated somebody who, wh- when I met him, um, he was uh, twenty-three. Yeah. Okay, and he had begun watching porn at the age of ten or eleven. Okay, he lost his virginity at the age of eighteen. Okay. Um, and so he had been watching porn um, for um, you know t- uh, all of that time in between, uh, and and he had been. And by the way, I always get very entertained when people talk about watching porn because nobody's watching porn; they're wanking. Okay, you know this is not entertainment you watch; it's entertainment you masturbate to. So he had been masturbating ferociously, you know, watching porn for you know t- um, you know seven eight years. As a result, um, he was so attuned to his own touch um, that he was and is completely incapable of coming inside a woman, in a woman's hand, in a woman's mouth. Mm. The only way he could come during sex was by jerking himself off, Mm. you know. And, you know, um, and and that's very unfortunate because, you know, um, that's not great for your partners. Um, It's, by the way, it's especially not great as and when you settle down and you wanna have kids because uh, for reproductive purposes, that is not great either. Um, and that, um, and that is, is something that, um, you know, has given him difficulties um, in his personal sex life and in his relationships um, accordingly. Um, and so th- there, there are many different manifestations of what people kind of think is porn addiction that, um, quite honestly, um, you know, with um, much more openness, much more conversation, um, much more access... To um, a vast range of openly available different forms of sexual material to view, um, I believe could completely change that because I think that, you know, um, you know what happens in your own mind when you are flooded with guilt and embarrassment, and you know, um, is it has a lot to do with with what you then feel. Um, just so your listeners know, um, th- there is a lot of. Um, really appalling anti-porn stuff out there that is not grounded in science and fact. Okay, mm. and there is a site and a Twitter handle for um, uh, something called um, Real Brain on Porn that debunks all of the you know um, t- uh, myths about oh my god, porn is this and porn is that and blah 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 blah. And and I, I would urge your um, listeners to actually check that out. Yeah. Um, and and so. You, you know, I think a lot of this um, is to do with the fact that we are so utterly fucked up as a society around sex. And the more we all work to change that, the happier we'll all be. I yeah. mean, I, I regularly say that make love, not porn operates in the single biggest market of them all. Not sex, not porn, the market of human happiness.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. I was, I was listening to Gabor Mate recently and like his definition when he talks about addiction. And he obviously very liberally applies the label of, of addiction to many things in our lives not just substance abuse where he's, he focuses most of his work, but as a uh, pattern of behavior that persists despite negative consequences. And so it's the idea of, you know, it's interesting to think about porn for me in that context of where I exist in a partnership where porn is, is not part of our agreement, something that she doesn't like. And so the action of watching porn has a negative consequence because of a partner and the, the relationship that we are in. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting, but it's, uh, it's fascinating to hear the WHO classification, which I I'd never heard before, but it's... Um, and,
1: and, and I would recommend try watching social sex on Make Love Not Porn with your partner. I,
2: we, we will, like we honestly, we will. And I think that, you know, as, as this is kind of coming towards a close, it's just, again, the idea of what you said earlier that just stands out so mm. clearly to me. It's like, you know, thinking of, of porn as all inclusive of everything is like saying like all literature is, mm. is bad. Of, like, mm. no, there's certainly really bad mm. books, and then there's really yep. great ones. No, and, and, no, exactly. And it really is, you know, it's in my experience of porn has been through the lens of the masculine dominant lens that even makes me feel bad when I'm consuming mm. that. And so, you know, again, this idea of like, let's not make it a binary of good or bad, mm. or let's mm. watch it or let's not. I was mm. like, let's explore it and yep, no. see what happens and create that space yes. and, the-
1: and also let's disrupt it yeah. um, and, and so this is where um, andrew um, i want to make your audience aware um, because i do this with every interview um i need help disrupting all of this yeah okay. As I mentioned earlier, I fight a huge battle every single day to build this business, essentially because every piece of business infrastructure, any other tech startup can just take for granted. I can't, the small print always says no adult content. Yeah. And this is all pervasive across everything. I can't get funded, I can't get banked. It took me four years to find one bank here in America that would allow me to open a business bank right. account for Make Love Not Porn. Yeah. Every single text service I need to use to operate my platform, hosting, encoding, encrypting, the TOS always say no adult content. Mm. In every single case, I have to go to the people at the top of the company, explain what I'm doing, beg to be allowed to use their service, Sometimes they let me, sometimes they don't. It's a very labor-intensive process. Our biggest operational challenge is payments. PayPal won't work with adult content. Stripe can't. Mainstream credit card processors won't. We had to build our entire video sharing, video sh- streaming platform from scratch, ourselves as proprietary technology, because existing streaming services, off-the-shelf components, will not stream adult content. I'm so jealous of friends who built video startups on top of Vimeo. Quick, easy, simple, I can't do that. Sure. Even something as apparently simple as finding an email partner. MailChimp won't work with adult content you know, and we were rejected by six or seven till we found Sengrid who would. And so, you know, I um am... You know, I am constantly looking for open minded investors and funding because my biggest obstacle raising funding is the social dynamic that I call fear of what other people will think. Mm. It is never about what the person I'm talking to thinks. When you understand what we're doing and why we're doing it, nobody can argue with it. The business case is clear. It's always their fear of what they think other people think, which operates around sex, unlike any other area. And so I want to say to your audience, a, please go to Make Love Not Porn. You know, sign up, take out a subscription, support us that way. Cons- be, consider becoming Make Love Not Porn stars, but see if you know any open mind investors. Send them my way, yeah. Cindy at Make Love Not Because to achieve everything we've talked about in this interview, to operate at scale, to change the world through sex, um, fact of life, I need money.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I hope that people really do reach out to Cindy. We're going to have all of her information. She's been kind enough to offer us a, a free discount code to one yep, of her videos absolutely. online, which is yep. kind of an introduction to this work so you can go deeper. Um, but again, porn is not one thing. It is literature. You know, there's a vast array. So broaden your horizons. Check something out, whether that is you as consuming porn, whether you're a partner who has someone who is watching it. Um, evolve the conversation. Thank you so much for your time, Cindy. This Absolute been pleasure. Amazing. Real pleasure.